Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for joining us today. On today's show, we have Kristen Scarlett, who is a licensed mental health counselor and has been practicing for over 15 years. And she works with patients with various issues, including depression, anxiety, insomnia, OCD, and relationship issues. And on today's show, we are going to talk about how to support a partner who is affected by depression. And a lot of the things that Kristen talks about could also apply to someone with any kind of mental illness, or even if your partner is experiencing mood swings that aren't related to any kind of diagnosed condition, uh, there are going to be some valuable tips to use to help improve your relationship. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We hope you check out our website, idpodcast.com. We have tons of free resources there, including our 14-day happy couple challenge. We have a bunch of free guides that go with some of our episodes. We would love for you guys to check that out and subscribe if you haven't and leave us a review if you haven't, if you enjoyed the show. Thank you guys so much. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. Kristen, today we're going to talk about supporting a partner who is managing depression. And we thought a good place to start would be to define depression and distinguish it between mood swings and, and other maybe personality disorders so that we can uh, just diagnose the problem in the first place and then talk about how to deal with it. Absolutely. Um, it's a common question a lot of people have is, is this depression? Is this clinical depression? Um, and if it's your partner, there are many questions you can ask. You know, if you're noticing a change, is it mood swings? Um, do they seem down lately? Is there a trigger? You can ask them questions such as, are you eating more and less than you usually do? Um, are you tasting your food when you eat? Do you feel tired no matter how much you're sleeping? Are you sleeping too much or too little? Are you capable of enjoying things right now? Because that's a big one. Um, is it hard for you to do personal grooming or things that you usually do? And are you having thoughts? about your own death or kind of dark thoughts. Um, depression, for the most part, can be defined by um, impacting one or more areas of your life, greatly impacting. So if it's, if it's affecting you at work, if it's affecting your relationship, then th those, are, those are kind of indicators that it's probably clinical depression. That is a great place to start. And I think a lot of the things we're going to talk about today also apply to people that 
are experiencing just like a down day. Um, obviously, sure. I think it's an important distinction between clinical depression and just a mood swing or a bad day. But let's jump in and talk about how we can help our partner through these, you know, a, a difficult day or through depression, obviously one being a lot more severe. I find if I'm having a bad day and Sarah says, Hey, uh, and it's always from a place of love, mm-hmm. uh, and, but like, Hey, is something wrong? I tend to get defensive and Absolutely. that probably says more about me than, than Sarah or the question, but let's just break down that example. What's going on there? Yeah. So you bring up another really good point. Um, Depression looks different in men than it does in women. And men are a lot less likely, as we know, to want to talk about their feelings. Um, Men who are depressed, they might appear angry or they might appear irritable. Um, Sometimes you find that men will isolate more than women would um, when they're feeling down or depressed. They're When men are very depressed, clinically depressed, you may also find that they're engaging in more risky behaviors. So abusing alcohol or drugs, um, there's a possibility of infidelity, spending more time with friends or alone or at work, Uh, whereas women are often kind of more sad and, you know, maybe will stop talking, but it's because they're in their rooms, they're in their beds. So it is. It it appears different with the different genders. Um, just as as a heads up, men are also four times more likely to commit suicide than women. So it's important, especially uh, for, well, I guess for for both genders really, but to maintain that connection for the partner to maintain the connection. So what Sarah's doing when she's asking you if you if you've had a bad day is actually right on because you really want to try to maintain that connection and figuring out how to do so. So, um, you know, if you don't, if the male does not want to speak, totally understandable, then maybe his partner may ask, do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to sit and watch a show with me? But at least they're trying to maintain that connection because that helps as getting getting physical helps the walk. Just another Quick top off is a lack of motivation is a symptom that both genders have um, when they're feeling depressed. So if you're asking your partner to go for a walk or to do something, to go to dinner, oftentimes the answer might be no. And people have a hard time. I have couples that come in and the partner doesn't know how much they should push. You don't want to push too much, but that connection is key. So, okay, you don't want to go for a walk. You don't want to go to dinner. You don't want to go to the party with me. I completely understand what can we do together. And sometimes that helps as well. So for a partner that's listening right now and and they're recognizing these traits that their partner is portraying and their partner has not been diagnosed with depression, but they think that maybe it is a possibility that they are depressed. What's the first step to getting them help and, and, and assist in supporting them? Sure. So partners, um, they feel just as helpless, I think, or even more helpless than the depressed person. Um, they need their own extensive toolkit to help cope and kind of stay afloat in these situations. 
That person, I would say maybe the first step is to ask what symptoms their partner is having. So, you know, I've noticed you've been feeling a little bit down or we haven't been talking as much. How are you feeling? Maybe they don't want to talk about what exactly happened or maybe they'll feel irritable, but you can kind of rephrase it by saying, I just really want to understand, you know, what's going on. So how are you feeling? Are you sleeping? All of those questions that we talked about before. It, it might be easy for the, the partner to see these changes and it may not quite be as easy for the partner who's depressed to notice that, that everything has changed for them. The other thing I would say is oftentimes the partner who's not depressed will try to be a cheerleader. So, you know, we all have that, that tendency to just really want to cheer people up. And sometimes this can go in a different direction because it's not the matter of them actually needing to cheer up. If it is clinical depression, it's a mental illness. So again, what can I do to help you? So if I'm the partner, you know, if you want me just to sit next to you, if you want me to hold your hand, um, if you want me to call your best friend, just tell me what I can do to make you feel supported. I think that's such a important thing to, to think about is that it is a, a mental illness in that obviously someone you love, it, it's painful to see them depressed, to see them upset. And we want to try to change that, make them happy. And then I feel like there could be blame back on to yourself for, for not making them happy. How, and obviously this is, it's a complicated situation. How can someone navigate that? Like, you talked about knowing how much to push. Like, that's a tricky one too. It's like, how much should you push? But if if whatever you do doesn't really make a difference because it's a it's a mental illness, it, it just seems like it, it's a really tough situation to be in. Absolutely. So marriages in which one person is depressed are actually nine times more likely to end up in divorce. And that does not mean that you know, the marriage needs to, to lead to divorce. If you can maintain the connection and have some understanding, that's where it sounds easier than it is. Um, like you said, you do have to remind yourself that the partner has an illness, it's a chronic illness like diabetes, um, and you need to find support and help for yourself as you try to have patience with your partner. You almost have to look at it as the enemy is the illness and not your partner. Because at first, you know, when the partner is depressed and they're down, there's worry, there's sadness, there's fear. You're asking your questions. You're trying to find out what you can do to support them. As time goes on, and especially if the other partner, the non-depressed partner is picking up the pieces at home, if there are kids involved and they're doing all of the parenting, if they're doing all of the cleaning, you know, things that used to be a partnership, they can become more and more angry and more and more distant from the depressed partner. Um, as you feel helpless, like I said, you need to have, you need to have your own support system. You need to have friends. You need to have um, a therapist yourself. And maybe it, if, if it's been long enough, couples therapy might actually 
be better than individual therapy, actually, with, with managing some of the depression of, of um, or managing the symptoms of the one depressed partner. Depression can cause like a negative veil almost, making individual counseling sometimes difficult if the therapist can't get the full picture, if that makes sense. So having a couples therapist mediate or fact check during the session can be helpful in reconnecting the couple. I imagine that if there is a, a couple where one person is suffering from depression, it would be a lot easier to support their partner if they're wanting to help themselves and wanting to get better and, and work on the relationship and, and do the things that, that is possible to help the relationship thrive. But I can see that would be very hard if there's one person that is maybe in denial of the fact that they're either depressed or that what is going on is affecting their relationship. So how would somebody navigate that type of situation in their relationship? Sure. Sometimes even, I mean, so couples therapy is one thing for the fact-checking purposes. And sometimes pointing out, almost fact-checking yourself at home, um, not pointing out like, look what I've done. <laughs> That's a mistake that, that people can have is I've taken the kids to their sports. I've cleaned the house. I'm the one bringing home the paycheck. Instead of taking it to that degree, talking to their partner and just saying, you know, I'm having a really hard time too. And sometimes that can actually help switch the focus. Um, it may help the depressed partner feel useful and actually turn the focus outside of themselves. So you can ask for emotional support. I know you're going through a hard time, but I also need some support today. I'm feeling tired and I'm scared. And, you know, maybe you can help me. I find that that's helpful. The other thing is when... If the partner is able to understand that, coming up with an emergency plan um, is also a good idea. Realizing that maybe they do act differently when they're depressed. Maybe they are more irritable. Um, coming up with an emergency plan for when these symptoms start to show again. So the emergency plan for some patients uh, that I come up with are even get outside, go for a walk, call a friend, make yourself a meal. And sometimes that can help put them back into place. I'm a bit uninformed, I guess, or naive, you could say, when it comes to depression, because I haven't personally been in a relationship or experienced it. When somebody, and I don't even know if this is the correct language, but when somebody is, I guess, stable, if they're suffering from depression and, and everything is great, Sure. And I'm sure that it's very individual per person, whether or not they're on medication or the form of getting better. But how how does that look in a relationship? Like once it's stable, I'm, I assume it doesn't always stay stable. But what does that look like in a relationship? And, and like you said, when things start to become bad again, what's the best route for a couple to manage that? That's actually the best time to manage it. I, just like therapy, the best time to go to therapy is when you're not in crisis. Right. The best time for the couple to talk is when the depressed person is not in crisis. Um, I would recommend going to couples therapy and talking about what their emergency plan is. What was the first 
kind of sign or symptom that the depressed person experienced where they knew that they were going on a downslide. Um, it can be physical, it can be emotional, it can be behavioral. And whatever that first symptom is, you know, we're going to go to the emergency plan. We're going to talk, we're going to communicate. Um, I find that also consistency is really good for keeping, obviously there are other factors involved, chemical and, and other triggers that, that arise, but if they can kind of try to keep consistency in their lives, then at least they're coming at it from a healthier place. And that, that means eating properly, sleeping, drinking water, um, staying connected to people, community is, is really important as well. And the non-depressed partner can help them with that. So they maybe they make a plan of every Saturday night, they have dinner and talk. Maybe they um, go for a hike every other week and, and they're active together. So all of these things can help. And it's actually most important when the person is feeling more stable. And that's also when the questions can come in. So what were you feeling? These are all great questions to ask when the person is depressed, but you may not get the same answers. So, and I see this with my own patients, you know, they're, they're much better able to communicate about how they felt after the depression um, has, I don't want to say subsided, but has decreased. So what were you feeling? What were you thinking? Were you scared? Were you angry? What was going on? And what can I do? What can I do next time this happens? How can we prepare? Yeah, having that plan in place so that when the trigger comes up or the first signs of of the depressed behavior shows, you are just going straight into that. And that plan might be taking a walk. You know, it's been shown getting out in nature can help relieve, you know, depressive symptoms. And and then there's less thinking and in, in your just going into something that hopefully eases the the stress for the depressed person and on the relationship. So super valuable. And I haven't been diagnosed with depression, but I definitely have mood swings and get uh, anxiety. Like before I have a, a group of clients come in for work, I can just feel it physically. And, and I definitely get more irritable and Sarah, when when I first took this job, it was a real stress on our relationship that I was just, we were arguing way more and it took a little bit. And then we realized, hey, this is connected to the stress with my work. It's around these weeks. And then we implemented kind of a, a plan and a dialogue that that I would myself be able to recognize it earlier. And then Sarah and I would be able to to create time and space that it didn't have the the negative effects that it did early on. So whether it's depression or the emotional triggers, it's super valuable to have have those plans in place. Let's take a quick break to talk about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Mint. So last week, Chase and I did a big switch, and we switched from one of the big wireless providers to Mint Mobile. And we couldn't be happier because we are saving a ton of money each month. 
So for the longest time, I was convinced that we needed to stay with the big wireless companies because they have the best coverage. But Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile removed all the retail locations and overhead and are passing those savings directly to you. Starting at only $15 a month, all of Mint Mobile's plans come with unlimited nationwide talk and text and the choice of either 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. You can use your own phone and easily keep your same phone number. As many of you know, we live in Costa Rica for half the year, and before we switched to Mint, we were having to pay a crazy $200 monthly bill, even though we weren't using our phone, because we didn't want to discontinue the service and lose our numbers. Now, we can't use Mint Mobile while we're out of the U.S., but we feel super comfortable leaving our plan active while we're traveling because we are saving so much money. So ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile today. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash I do. That's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash I do. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash I do. Today's episode is also brought to you by Zola. If you're engaged and planning a wedding, Zola is the place to be. Zola is reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moments in couples' lives even happier. Zola takes the stress out of wedding planning with free wedding websites, the easiest wedding registry, affordable invite suites, and more. We haven't mentioned this too much on the show before, but I actually have a wedding planning business here in Costa Rica, and I always recommend Zola to our brides, especially for invites and day of paper. And Zola has just added thousands of invite designs for every style and color scheme. Many of our brides are planning a destination wedding, so they don't want to break their budget on their save the dates and invites. So Zola's friendly prices are always a win. And not only can you order invites and print your guest addresses for free on free envelopes, but you can manage your headcount with their free, easy guest list manager tool. I just heard free a lot in that one line. Lots of free. Lots of free stuff. We like free stuff. (laughs) So sign up at Zola.com slash I do and get 30% off your invites and paper order. That's Zola, Z-O-L-A.com slash I-D-O to get 30% off your invites and paper order. Zola.com slash I do. Absolutely. And you're keeping those those two key factors, both communication and understanding, very present in the relationship. And as long as you're staying connected, you can get through anything. So building that action plan is really important. I have patients um, kind of go through, what could you improve for next time? Could you have tried to sleep more consistently? Could you have reached out to your doctor? Could I find you a therapist? Um, If people have been through a great depression or if their partner has, I guess, and they've slowly come out of it for, you know, whatever they've done, it's a good time to actually start with a therapist because then they have that connection for if it happens again. I want to go back to 
the area of pushing our partner, because that's certainly where it can be a beautiful thing that our partner motivates us to to get off the couch, to get outside, even though, you know, if we were by ourselves and depressed, it, it'd be much harder to do. But it feels like there's a there's obviously a fine line and different for every relationship between it being a positive thing and then creating resentment and it being negative. So how can we think about pushing our partner to help them through these times? Sure. This is a good time to just kind of reiterate that you do need your, the partner who's not depressed does need their own support system and their toolbox because this is a time where you really need to be um, empathetic sympathetic and have a ton of patience with the partner who's pushing you away. You can keep asking the same questions. You know, can, can we go for a walk today? We can't go for a walk. No, you don't feel like getting up. Can I lie next to you? Um, Can I tell you about my day? Can we listen to a book together? You know, try to find something that you can do together. I think that's helpful. Also, if it, you find that you're, asking your partner to do something and they're just really, really getting irritated, then go for a walk yourself, call your friend, you know, do some journaling, come back and just say, is it okay if I lie with you? Eventually they will come out of this depression. And if there are, obviously if there are red flags, like, you know, you're noticing that the person is actively suicidal, if they've been, um, they've stopped eating, if they're not sleeping at all, if they're acting erratically, then you do need help. But if it's something like they just, they're feeling blue and they're, you know, they're, they're irritable and they're not um, participating in the activities, then walk away and then come back and ask again. Patience is key for this, for this time. You just mentioned erratic behavior. And then at that point, you would possibly need to get assistance or help. What does that look like if somebody is displaying erratic behaviors? Sure. I guess um, a good example would be if they're doing, if they're kind of have any risky behavior like drinking. Um, If you find that they're drinking during the day, they're coming home kind of acting strange. If they're staying out very late when they've never done that before, if they're, um, you know, if you do have kids and they're acting strange around your kids, these are, these are times where they, you know, you, you actually do need to get professional help, even calling 911 in some cases. Um, depression can be scary. And depression can, like I said, it can change people while they're in that state. They can be irrational. Um, they cannot even know what they're doing sometimes. So you just want to make sure that, if, especially if there are kids, that you know, you're, you're reaching out to professional help when needed. When you mentioned some of those risky behaviors, it kind of also sounds similar to like bipolar disorders and and other personality disorders. How would somebody distinguish between um, between that? Because we've had some listeners email us specifically about managing bipolar with their partner, and I know it can be completely different. But do you have any advice to differentiate between depression and bipolar? Yeah, that's a good question. And sometimes maybe the partner, the non-depressed partner, won't be able to differentiate. Um, 
especially like we had talked about in the beginning, how men um, manifest depression and it can really look like, you know, they, they can be overspending. They can be, um, there can be some unfaithful behavior. There can be drinking and drugs, um, staying up late, staying out late. These are all symptoms of a manic episode of bipolar, but also male symptoms of depression. So that that partner may not be able to know. Um, but if there are these kind of different behaviors, then they might want if obviously you talk to your partner first, you try, you ask questions, you tell them you're worried, um, try to be patient. But if you find you're not getting anywhere, then it might be time to just call professional help. This is why it's actually good. Um, couples therapy is actually really beneficial if, if you can get the affected partner to go to couples therapy with you. It's obviously a very nuanced topic and, mm-hmm. and complicated. And I imagine one scenario that arises is that the depressed partner will use the depression as an excuse for bad behavior not to, mm-hmm. you know, not to say that it, it it's tricky because it's like it's a mental illness, but you, so you don't want to like berate them for mistakes or bad behavior. But is that something that you see uh, occurring? And, and how would how would that be navigated? And again, obviously, couples therapy is going to be super valuable. But what can someone that's listening ask or tell themselves or ask their partner if depression is being used to try to excuse bad behavior? That's actually a really good question, whether it's bipolar, a manic episode, or depression, or a personality disorder, um, or addiction. All of those mental illnesses, um, they can be, like you said, used as an excuse for bad behavior. I guess the the key... um, takeaway would be if the non-affected or non-mentally ill, I guess, partner is not comfortable with something and feels like they can't get over it or they can't forgive, then it doesn't really matter what caused the bad behavior. If it's something where the depressed person has stayed out all night or has had an affair, has been, has, there has been an infidelity and then really, really feels, um, horrible and wants to improve on the relationship and will start taking medication and will get themselves in treatment and the non-affected partner can forgive them and they can move on. But it's, there needs to be forgiveness and then there needs to be working towards a solution. It's always that the, the relationship is first. And that's why connecting is so important. Keeping the connection. Why is it that a depressed partner will, for lack of a better description, act out and and engage in behaviors like cheating? Mm. What? Sure. So I think a lot of it is numbing. Um, it's avoidance. So if they're feeling depressed, even if the home life or the partner isn't a trigger at all, that's where they feel depressed. That's their life if it's work or, you know, that's their life is their partner, their family, their home, their work. 
And they're trying to avoid life right now because life feels really uncomfortable and painful. So they may drink to numb. They may have an affair, have affairs to kind of experience a different life, really, for lack of a better um, explanation, or drug use or binge eating. Um, you know, there's uh, a lot of different numbing avoidance strategies that people use. Coping strategies, but obviously not good coping strategies. I encourage our listeners to to use this information. It's super valuable, but it seems like ultimately it's not something that is easy to deal with no matter what, but certainly on your own. So seeking couples therapy is going to be probably the one of the first steps you want to take after you've diagnosed this issue. Absolutely. Couples therapy can help. Like I said, it can help patients or it can help couples communicate without that negative filter of depression. Um, it can help them be, it can help the non-affected partner be more aware of the partner's needs and how to meet them and actually vice versa the depressed partner understanding the non-depressed partner's needs and how to meet them. Um, there's also a lot of unhealthy patterns that, that couples fall into and learning what those are and, and how not to repeat them. Forgiving each other, the pain behind the depression, you know, all, and how to cope for both, for, for the depressed patient and the non-depressed patient. What coping skills can they learn and use? Before we uh, wrap up the interview, I do have one last question because we also have listeners that are not in a relationship that are single who are wanting to work on themselves so that their next relationship is successful. So what would advice would you give somebody who's listening who is single and maybe dating um, and is also managing depression? How would they enter in a new relationship with the transparent yeah the most transparent and, and best uh ways for to have a successful relationship going forward as they manage their depression that's also a very good question um and a fear that that patients who have suffered from depression have as they're dating as i'm sure you know your many of your listeners have um what i tell my patients that are dating and and have gone through depressive episodes is First of all, really understand yourself. So obviously get in therapy, um, understand what the potential triggers are, if there are triggers, understand what your coping mechanisms are, whether they're healthy and unhealthy, what helps you, like we talked about the emergency plan, what's on your emergency plan and helps you to kind of get out of the depression, whether it's calling your therapist or eating a meal. Um, and then when they're dating people, they don't have to be completely transparent and upfront on the first date or the second date. When they feel comfortable enough with the person to feel like it's going to go somewhere where they might be dating for a while, then they should be transparent. And they can start by explaining what depression looks like for them, what it feels like for them. And then as importantly, what the new partner can do. So for instance, you know, I'm, I sometimes go through these depressions. I may need to 
kind of take a step back for a little bit and I will text you and tell you I'm not feeling great. And then I'll, I'll get back in touch in a week while they're, you know, just newly dating. Or maybe they'll say, I might just tell you I'm feeling sad and might just want to hug, but not want to talk about it. They have to understand what they need and what they feel like in that depressed state. And a therapist can help them do that. Well, Kristen, this has been very enlightening and valuable, hopefully for our listeners, as it was for Sarah and I. Are there any things that we skipped over or didn't cover that you want to make sure we put out there before we wrap up? You know, I would just say one thing that I I didn't touch on is that oftentimes for both genders, but often even more for females, that the sex drive often decreases when a, when a person is experiencing depression or is on medication to manage the depression. And this obviously um, can hurt the connection that we said was so important, right? So just making sure that you find other ways to feel intimate and connected and keep those lines of communication open. Excellent. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. Let's wrap up the interview by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. I, you know, thank you so much for, for even broaching this topic. It's such an important topic and some people are, you know, that they kind of keep to themselves and isolate when their partners are depressed. So I think it's great that you um, are, are talking to your listeners about this. I'm at Octave and it's a new mental health startup that that has groups and couples therapy and individual therapy and um, meditation classes. And we're in Midtown Manhattan. You can find us at findoctive.com. We also have a relationship goals group that's really great for couples. So if they're not interested in couples therapy, then even attending the group might be great. So findoctive.com. We'll have your website on the podcast description as well as on idopodcast.com. And thank you again for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, the group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week